Welcome to Comic Talkers. My name is Brandon. I'm William. And today we're actually going to do another book club today, something that we both have been wanting to do with um, the release of WandaVision. And we're going to be talking about the House of M storyline. Um, this was a 2005 comic book storyline published by Marvel Comics. Um, it was released through the months of June through November of 2005, written by Brian, Brian Michael Bendis. Um, sorry about that little hiccup there. Um, Brian Michael Bendis being one of my favorite writers, probably in my top fives, um, given the stories like um, he's actually the guy I believe who created Miles Morales, um, given us a lot of great storylines in Marvel, and now he's in DC writing for the Justice League and also for um, he did the Young Justice series, everything like that. Um, this is a story we've been wanting to do. I know me and Willie have been talking about this, or Willie and I have been talking about this for for quite a while now since the release of WandaVision. Um, yep. Just because I feel like maybe you'll agree with me, Willie, too. Um, the fact that I don't think that show really showed how powerful she actually can become. Yeah, they kind of, like softened her up when it came to the show and just being able to see the kind of stuff that she's done in the comics especially with this series it just makes it so much more grand than how it was portrayed but I mean well done for the show they kind of did incorporate it which a lot of fans I would have liked to see I guess but it's just with like knowing what her powers are like in the comic books and how much her abilities that she's able to show it could have been a lot better if they would have been if they would have gotten more of the elements from the house of m in there right so um for fans who listen to our podcast or new people um joining in thank you for joining in um how we do our book clubs we will summarize the history of the book or what was not so much the history but actually summarize each issue from the book um we'll be discussing certain things that we've noticed um because i know me and willie have read this before we came back and read it again um and what was it we'll kind of discuss things that we noticed um along the way and at the very end after we're all done summarizing each issue what was it? We'll actually go into um, if we would fix something, how would we fix it? Everything like that. Um, what was it? Just the same way we did our book club for Judas Contract. Um, but that was actually kind of an entertaining video. I will say it made me want to do more book clubs like that because it just made us, you know, want to get more into it. And what was it? And try to teach how we see it and try to compare it to what other people see. And so without further ado um so just to give you a little background before we get into the story this takes place right after the events of avengers disassembled at this point in time we find out scarlet witch has pretty much manipulated a lot of the events that happened in avengers disassembled which led to the deaths of ant-man scott lang vision and hawkeye and why i'm saying that is because you will find out later on something that's shocking if you haven't read the story already um that what was it we'll get to when we get to that at that point in time um pretty much she starts losing control of her powers magneto takes her away to get help and she takes him actually to takes her to actually charles xavier to help so that's where the story starts off so we'll go ahead and start with issue one um 
We find a scene, it looks like, you know, what was it? Scarlet Witch is actually giving birth to her two sons that don't exist, if that makes sense. They're pure constructs of her own magic. Um, these end up being, I believe, Wiccan and, uh, or Billy and Tommy. There we go. I couldn't remember the other one. I was like, okay, it's Billy and Tom. Okay. <laughs> um, but we noticed something really weird. Again, like we said, Vision dies in the events of Avengers Disassemble. We see Vision there with her at her side, along with Doctor Strange, Magneto, and a couple of the X-Men there with them. Um, and there, and but all of a sudden we see Charles Xavier in the background pretty much telling her to put think put the world back now the way it was so we know she's making this world she's making this construct and she's fighting him the whole time no i can't do this you know and she ends up um breaking down and she actually does put it back but she you know she comes to realizations she killed her husband she killed the avengers um so what was it? So we go next to actually Professor Xavier meeting with Magneto. And pretty much they're coming to the conclusion that there's nothing that Charles Xavier can do. There, the, she, he's tried everything he can do and pretty much he can't save her. So it's now come to the point where, you know, pretty much they're going to have to make the decision to kill her. And it's not what they want to do, but they know that's the only choice they have to save a lot of people. Um, and it, to me, this is the first time I've ever seen like even Magneto too, kind of like regretting some of the stuff he's done. Um, I'm not sure if you noticed that, Will, when he's talking about that he's felt sorry for bringing the kids into this and everything like that. What's your take on that? Yeah, it was always a very interesting take for me because specifically with this one it felt like more genuine from Magneto like when he's talking about getting his children involved and specifically talking about Wanda it kind of feels like there was like a strong connection that she felt that he felt with not only the rest of the mutants but with her too and then seeing how it's a, how everything is affecting her and what it's making her do, it's just, it just leaves an impact because you can just see the pain on his face as he's describing like what he's feeling and what's going through his mind and the choices that he's going to have to make. Yeah. And so when we go to the next scene, we actually are shown three Avengers. Now at this time, one of the events that also took place during um, the Avengers Disassembled storyline is that pretty much Tony Stark lost all his funding for the Avengers. He pretty much it appeared that he was drunk in front of, a, a, what was it, like an assembly, government kind of officials, um, and pretty much like threw his blaster at an ambassador from Liberia, which is the home um of mr dr doom um and pretty much loses his position as secretary of defense and loses all the funding he could give to the avengers so pretty much the avengers has disbanded um so we come to wonder man 
um, Captain Marvel and Falcon, and they've been called to a meeting. Um, this is what the Avengers, and if we find out later, it also includes the X-Men. Um, which, this was an interesting scene, but I also feel like this is kind of one of the dumb scenes, because we'll get to that in a minute. Um, you know, they pretty much are discussing what they're going to have to do. And this is the case because it's sad because Wanda has helped both teams. And now they're having to come to the decision of killing her. And it's not an easy choice. But pretty much, I look at it this way. We'll get to actually here in a minute. Um, we're actually jumped to the next scene actually right after. And then we'll go back to them discussing the fate of Wanda Maximoff. Um, and we actually see Quicksilver and Magneto. Um, this was one of the scenes I loved in the whole story. Um, Quicksilver is pretty much telling them, like, they're going to kill her. We need to do something. They're sitting there at the tower now discussing and making the decision to kill her. And pretty much, you know, you know, what's sad about this is that Magneto actually agrees his own daughter and he's pretty much saying they might be right yeah and and constantly repeating that in the text they keep saying what would you have me do yeah. what would you have me do it's like right. he doesn't know what he to did. do and it's even out of his own control and that's what one of the i think one of the most powerful scenes in the whole story right there is pietro and magneto um and like you said pretty much he says you know what would you have me do there's nothing he can it's gone to the point where it's out of his control out of everybody else's control um you know pretty much quicksilver gets down on his knees pretty much crying holding on to magneto and magneto i think even starts to shed a tear and shows a sign of like sadness um while they're sitting in the bed or standing there next to the bed of Wanda maxwell so we jump back to the Avengers and the X-Men. So they're pretty much talking about, you know, making the decision of killing her. One of the most interesting scenes I found was actually Wolverine and Cap. You know, pretty much the statement goes like this. Even though they just spent 20 minutes explaining that the girl's out of, to lunch and that the world in every kind of danger because of her, there's always a way, not always, always. It just shows you their mentalities. And I think maybe this is because of their war history. You know, when you look at Cap, he's from World War II, where you do anything to save people. Vietnam is more Wolverine. Well, Wolverine has seen every war, more than likely, or most of wars. So he has a different aspect of life and death, while Cap feels this is the way we should do it. We find out, you know, the reason why is they can't just make that decision because she is a, an Avenger. Even though she's done all this, she still is an Avenger. This is where I feel then becomes the most controversial thing. They pretty much decide, why don't we just go talk to her about it? Let's see what she thinks. I'm sorry. You're telling me... <laughs> You're going to go tell, ask somebody's permission to kill that person. 
and kill her right then and there. I'm not sure if you spotted that or not, Will, but that to me was just like, what the heck is this? You're going to go literally ask the person you are trying to kill their permission to kill her. Like, I understand why they're doing it, but it's like, if you're going to kill her, and I feel this is where I don't disagree with, I disagree with Cap a little bit, because this can actually harm a lot more people if it's not taken care of. So what's more important, taking one person or taking millions? That's how I look at this. And yeah, Cap, it's, 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 it's definitely a fair way to look at it and honestly i never knew how to feel about that scene because i get both sides like wanting to save her and wanting to protect her even the middle ground of just wanting to talk to her right but at the same time i kind of felt like i was in the same position as uh dr strange where he could see he like he has the ability to see the possible events that could unfold and even he had no idea what could happen and he's like he still wants to figure it out right. and find a solution but at this current time it's like what can you do like right. he, even he can't figure it out and it just it just left me baffled and i felt like i can agree with that like sure there doesn't look like there's any possible solution but that doesn't mean that you're not going to that doesn't mean you can't search and try every possible solution first right right that's what i said what was it um so you know we have some funny scenes in there especially with spidey you know like you know i'm not going to be home for dinner am i yeah <laughs> but one of the things i love that he mentioned because i think spider-man to me is probably one of the saddest stories in this storyline um, um once we get later on you'll see why um but one of the things is like you know what was it he goes how many wolverine looks at you know the team and says how many more of you does she have to kill before you snap out of it so what was it but spider-man kind of throws an interesting moral compass so like if any of my powers wig out on me i can't count on you to just kill me that is an interesting line. I felt like, yeah, that actually is kind of interesting what he just said. And yeah, so of course the reply by Wolverine makes a lot of sense too. So right. Yeah. I hope I can count on you to do the same. But I think this is where the aspects of what the X-Men view and what the Avengers view is totally different. And it's sad because I believe Wolverine was part of the Avengers at this point in time. And so he has both views, but I think he's thinking more of a soldier, which is sad. It's like we said, that's how Cap should be thinking. And Cap's not thinking that way. He's just, yeah, whatever. You know, that's not what we're here for. To me, Wolverine is, I, I like, how, how would you view that? How, what side, if you looked at it and went, which side would you have been on? Would you have been more with the Avengers where they would have been like, hey, we at least need to go talk to her about it? Or would you have been with Wolverine kind of like, no, this has gone on way too far? I'm not going to lie. I kind of side more with Wolverine. 
I agree. Because I, I understand like where the others are coming from. And like I was saying earlier, I'm, I'm with Dr. Strange. Like if he could find like any solution, if, if he's able to find it soon, then I would 100% be on board with him. But the fact that he was never able to find a solution, despite the fact that he kept searching. Right. I just can't help. I can't help but side with Wolverine because he makes the most logical sense right there. Right. So we, they decide to go to Genosha. They decide that we need to go talk with her. We need to see what's going on and make the decision there. So they all fly to Genosha. Um, what was it? Um, but we find out Wanda is not there. Where she was, she's not there. What was it? But then we find out something else. Professor Xavier was with them on the trip. When they go in to try to find Wanda, he's gone. And they're trying to find him too. And they think, Emma thinks she found them. Okay, so we travel to where they think she found them. But all of a sudden, they go into this building and all of a sudden this big old light shines. And all we see is Spider-Man's face looking at it and then ends the issue. Or actually it doesn't end the issue. Sorry about that. There is actually another page. We find Peter Parker waking up in a bed with somebody from his past. We find him waking up with Gwen Stacy. And why, na, 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 na. again why is that so important Gwen Stacy dies or what was it, dies at the hands of Green Goblin there's a controversial take that she actually died with Peter Parker's webby she tried to save her and snapped her neck this is Peter Parker's true love even though I still don't think that I think Mary Jane is his true love but at the point in time where this comic was made, that was his one true love, is Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Um, but we hear a baby crying, and it says, it's your turn. And all of a sudden, we see a picture of them being married. That's how this issue ends. So we know now something strange is happening. We know that everything's not what it seems to be, and things are about to get weird. Um, so we're actually going to go into issue two, which actually introduces us to another hero. Will you want to tell them who that hero is? Which one are we talking about? We're on issue two. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. We're on issue two. So we just started with the old man. Yeah, so right at the beginning of issue two, we just, it shows you following this random old man as he's leaving his apartment and the first one of the first images that you see as soon as he walks out you see like what looks like a bunch of mutants just out and about you see people flying people on fire people with wings and there's just all sorts of people with powers out in the world and then as you start to see further when the guy when the old man goes to check his mail there's letters addressed to Steve Rogers and you kind of get the good indication that it's probably Cap 
all old and now. Yeah. And I found this to be one of the more interesting scenes because I felt like, you know, he got what he wanted. He all he wanted was to grow old, be happy, you know, things like that, where he didn't have that. He pretty much was frozen in a block of ice for over 75 years in this timeline and pretty much tends to the future and doesn't know what's going on. At least he grows old with his friends and his family and everything like that. So yeah, he was the only one that had the happy ending. Right. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but so the next people we are introduced to, again, other than the first issues, we see Cyclops and Emma, Emma Frost. They are supposedly married. Now, to me, this is the only one that did not make sense. Yeah. Scott, to me, wants Jean Grey. Not Emma Frost. And I, and I know Emma Frost and him have had a relationship, but to me, he wants Jean Grey more than he wants Emma. Um, we see him waking up, talking about breakfast, everything like normal. Uh, and it's funny because one of the things she mentions is I'm meeting that little Richards boy again today you know and she goes poor kid which one was that parents were astronauts died in the oh yeah you up to it I have to so this tells us right then and there more unlikely Reed Richards and Sue Storm is dead in this storyline um so little richards is franklin richards um in the normal universe he is an omega level mutant who pretty much has the power to control his own universes he even has a pet galactus is being one of the strongest individuals in marvel continuity he can make a pet galactus in his palm of his hand yeah this is just how powerful that kid is and which is kind of interesting to me that when I first started, like the first time I had started this, I didn't catch it. But the second time when I went back and reread it, I noticed that because Reed Richards is one of the most powerful mutants. Not Reed, like, Franklin. Franklin Richards. No. Right. <laughs> I'm tired. Forgive me. Uh, but Franklin Richards is known to be one of the most powerful mutants out there. And yet, for some reason, he's not like implemented as much in this uh, House of M story against uh, Scarlet Witch. Because you would think that somebody with his potential, his power, he would be a little bit more perceptive in this scenario. That's just me. The, I For some reason, I thought that, but I... It, didn't really like play too much of a part in this it's not as much as i wanted it to i got a sense of maybe he lost his powers or maybe he didn't even have his powers at this point in time i felt like the way he was talking like he was just a normal little kid that his parents it doesn't even look like reed and sue had powers they pretty much just died and to be fair i mean reed and sue technically didn't get their powers until after the incident anyway so right i guess i guess technically he wouldn't have gotten the powers right um so then we go to an interesting character we're introduced to dazzler 
in the storyline. And she's a TV host. And she's interviewing Wonder Man. So we're not going to go into that too much. Um, Wonder Man's like one of the popular superheroes in the world. Um, along with the next character we're going to be introduced to, which is Captain Marvel. Which to me was shocking because Captain Marvel or Ms. Marvel in this storyline. Um, to me wasn't all that popular of a character. And they made her and Wonder Man big names in the superhero universe in this story. Not any of the others. And so we're introduced to Captain Marvel the next scene. Now, Willie, I think you might want to discuss it because it actually looks like they made one of your favorite characters a villain in this story. How dare they? It only <laughs> makes sense, but I mean, how dare they? You want to tell yeah. the fans who it is? <laughs> so we have Miss Marvel going off saving the world and she stops a uh, what looks to be a bank robber and the people inside the vehicle I don't know which one of them die or live because she kind of just throws the car across a park but one of the characters that happened to live and decides to try to fight back you see him throwing some playing cards and they, they did it. They made, they made Gambit a bank robber. How dare they? I don't think that's what he wanted in his life. So no. <laughs> and you, it's funny. It's like you see in these scenes, you see uh, Miss Marvel is like very aggressive. It's like she throws him, like. A good distance away into what looks to be a stone or metal like statue right and they give the implication that he's just knocked out but that was a hard hit it right it's hard to believe that like he lived and which made something interesting to me is like these people are viewed as superheroes it kind of reminds me of the boys on amazon yep uh for people who don't know the comic, <laughs> if you've seen the boys on Amazon, it's very graphic and the heroes aren't actually, they don't really seem like heroes because of how aggressive they are and how brutal they can be and how just they want the attention and the limelight. And I kind of got that feeling with this universe and how the heroes are all being portrayed. So we're going to kind of skim through some of the other characters that are introduced. We find out Kitty Pride is actually a teacher. He has a big head, too. Hey. <laughs> All right. Um, and we actually do, one of the things I loved about this is that, okay, Namor is considered the first mutant. I'm not sure if you caught that. It was a little snippet. But, it, you know, in comic book world or in our world, he was the very first mutant that was introduced to the world, was Namor. The oldest one, that's what I always found weird, is the oldest one has either been found to be Mystique, Apocalypse, or Wolverine. And to me, they made Namor, like, okay. Okay, we'll see, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we'll kind of skim through it. Um, one of the weird ones is it looks like Luke Cage is a gangster. Yeah, like either a gangster or like some sort of like mob boss or something yeah. like that um we Game find leader. out we find out dr strange is actually a psychiatrist now 
Um, and it looks like he's Sam Wilson is a detective. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about Sam Wilson. Sorry about that. Doctor <laughs> <laughs> um, Strange is a psychologist. It looks like he's talking. I'm not sure if he's talking. I want to say Robert. I want to say that's Iceman. But I can't swear by that. It was hard for me to kind of go back and tell if that was Iceman or not. But um, kind of skimmed through a little bit more. Um, Colossus is a farmer. That only makes sense. And he still, and we do figure out he still does have his mutant abilities. Um, he is the silver-plated Colossus that we know and love. Um, you know, that was something that actually made me laugh, too, because you have all these heroes that like slowly getting like shown and then they're getting some dialogue, but then you just have Colossus and he's plowing a field. Doesn't say anything, just plows a field. (laughs) And then we're introduced to Tank McCoy or Beast. And it does look like he's maintained some of his abilities, but not the fuzzy blue monster that we know and love. He just has, like, he goes back to his first appearance, where he's human, but looks like... Go ahead, Will. It looked like you were saying something. Yeah, I mean, let's let's not pretend. He didn't look like the way that we know and love in this comic. He looked like a cat. Yeah. You want me to tell you what he looked like <laughs> he's human? He looked like Dr. Octopus with just big feet. <laughs> I looked at him. I thought that's who it was at first. <laughs> Before, like, any names were mentioned and I saw him, like, up in the air and I saw all these cables around, I thought it was Doc Ock until they started saying names. Right. And then we find out he's working with, actually, Dr. Pym, who's also an Ant-Man. Um, what was in there? Working on a big old project. Uh, I'm just getting through some of it because some of it's not really, like, necessary. Not, not too relevant. relevant. Yeah. Like, some are, some aren't. Um, what was it? Uh, we'll, we'll get to the point at the end what the main thing of this story or this issue was. Um, Storm looks like she's, I believe she's like a princess, if I'm not mistaken, or like a or queen or something. I can't remember. We'll figure, I can't remember off the top of my head, but she's had her, her mutant ability still. Um, what was it? Um, but then we're introduced, this is where the most important scene comes in. And it's actually in the last four pages of this issue. We see Wolverine get something he's always wanted. He's always wanted to remember his whole life. Mm-hmm. So he wakes up in a dream of him as Weapon X. He is probably, I think, the biggest or one of the main characters in the story. He actually remembers everything. And I mean everything, even before the whole portal, whatever you want to call it, opened up. And everybody's in this world now that WandaVision, or not WandaVision, um, Scarlet Witch has created for him. So he remembers what happened two days ago in their normal lives. But we see him in a relationship with Mystique. (laughs) This made me laugh so hard. And we always known he had a thing for redheads. And she goes, she comes up as a redhead human. And she goes, you didn't mind last night. It's your reddish fetish. A redhead <laughs> fetish. And I'm like, oh boy. 
here we go. <laughs> I wonder why. But then we he starts running because he's like, this is not right. This is not what's going on. And we see Psylocke and Toad there as soldiers of the House of M or Magnus. Um, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. But he runs outside and notices like pretty much like a helicarrier, what you would think of S.H.I.E.L.D., but all House of M. And that's how this story ends. The main point I wanted to bring up, and Willie, maybe you'll, or what was it, Willie, you can join in on this too, is that this issue showed what everybody's really wanted. Yeah. yeah it, it was, it was an, the interesting how, to, how you'd see it, because it's the life that everybody wanted to have if everything went right in their lives and they like didn't happen to form into the X-Men and they didn't get exiled and all this stuff. Right. But in this scene, the last scene itself, it looks like mutants or pretty much this whole issue. Mutants are the pretty much like the, or what was it? Dominant race. Yeah. And Top of the food chain. Yeah. So it's interesting to see this. So, but like we see the only ones that did not make sense to me was Luke Cage is like a mob boss. To me, that's not what he's wanted. That didn't make any sense to me. Uh, and Emma Frost and, uh, and Cyclops. Well, I guess what makes sense about Luke Cage is he didn't want to be like the center of everyone's attention. He just wanted to live his life. So he kind of did get what he wanted just to live his life in peace. And if, I mean, there is a chance that living his life in peace meant that he went into that realm of gangsters and like gang violence and all that stuff. Right. Right. So we go into the third issue. Um, this starts up with Wolverine pretty much like staring into the abyss in some ways and he's remembering everything the fight between hulk and him gene gray becoming the phoenix um even the last moment they all had together before this whole thing started so we jump to him um what was it and mystique comes out and talks with him And we find out, I remember my whole life, everything. And he says, and, but this is the most interesting thing. He asked Mystique, Mystique, what did we do yesterday? The mission was successful, she goes. Don't, is this about casualties? This not like you. Don't, don't beat yourself up about it. They were just some human grunts. So what he sees is not what she sees. So this is the most interesting thing because he's seeing everything, but she's not. Um, and then, but he asked her what happened in Genosha. And she goes, I didn't see any paperwork yet to what what happened you know so what he's seeing is totally different and it's interesting because it just shows you wolverine from this point on is going to be the main character of this story he's going to be the one that wakes him up 
And then you so, see his realization, like right at the last thing that uh, that is said by uh, Mystique, what happened? Is Lord Magnus okay? And then you see like a realization on his face. Like right. everything is out of whack. And, and pretty much he jumps off the helicarrier and pretty much flies to the ground. Um, what was it? Um, Mystique just staring down like, what are you going to do? You can't do nothing. But he starts looking up and he goes, what's going on? Then um, we kind of just continue going through. There's some newspaper articles, stuff like that. Um, it's not too important. We're not going to go too much into it. Just really shows you again, kind of like what the second issue did. Pretty much everybody got what they wanted. Um, what was it? Um, we kind of go to what was it? Um, what was it? We're not going to go too much into a couple of the scenes in this story or in this issue because it, it was kind of pretty much just Wolverine's kind of like pretty much going on a hunt to try to find his answers. Pretty much is what's going on. Um, some characters, I can't remember right off the top of my head. Um, but, um, but he tries to go find Tony Stark, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he goes to Stark Tower. And then pretty much somebody comes up to him and goes, what do you want with Tony Stark, James? Bosses want you brought back in. We find out this is Psylocke. Psylocke is coming to capture him back. Um, pretty much it's her. This is what I found interesting. Her, Mystique, Toad, Nightcrawler, and Rogue are all there, ready to take him in. Yeah. Um, Very interesting choice of teams. Yeah. So pretty much, what was it? They're trying to like, like calm him down, everything like that. Like, hey, you know, and pretty much the, the Wolverine just pops his elbow back and just pretty much knocks out Psylocke. <laughs> and pretty much they all start shooting upon him. Um, when they start going down, you know, start running away, or he starts running away from them. But all of a sudden we see, and he's on his motorcycle driving away, but all of a sudden we see Cloak appear. And Cloak pretty much teleports him down to the underground. So where they can't find him. And then we see them actually showing, he pops back up and is encountered by Luke Cage. And, but here's the problem. So I'm going to kind of read a little bit of this. You know me. The hell is going on here. Love to talk to you, but you're going to have to crash your tracker. The hell is this? Crash the tracker in the base of your neck and we'll do it. And, and we'll do it or we'll do it for you. You heard the man. Do it. The guy who says do it, and this is why I said this will come up and important, is Hawkeye. Hawkeye being killed in the events of Avengers Disassembled during a Korean invasion. Um, pretty much his bow, what was it, a night uh, explosive bolt in his quiver, and he can't get his quiver off, so pretty much he takes a Kree soldier and flies up and dies. Pretty much. But the guy who's talking to is Luke Cage. Um, and then all of a sudden we hear him. But there is a tracker inside. So this is how the team of Mystique is pretty much finding him. So there's yeah. a tracker on. 
but we find that Hawkeye is saying the same thing too. Do it. And what was it? So this is probably, like I said, this one kind of was going a little faster because this one wasn't too much of an important other than the last few pages again. This is where the most important scene comes up. Um, what's your take on this, Willie? Like, what, what did you like about that issue? And what did you not like about it? Well, honestly, I liked the use of characters uh like i pointed out earlier the mutant team that they put together uh that was tracking down wolverine right. it's a very interesting choice and when you kind of look at them they work together i mean they all like kind of are able to fit together to make this very good like not only like strong and effective team but a good stealth worthy team and kind of like a covert secret ops types of team right right and just seeing all the other characters like cloak i honestly have never seen cloak until i watched until i read this comic and it's like it's not that i haven't heard of them i haven't like seen snippets of them but you don't really see a lot of people use cloak right like he's so having him be such a big part in this uh in this uh this issue in the next couple of issues how effective he plays a part it's actually really interesting right so we're gonna jump to issue number four now um i didn't mind this issue i like i said i i, I agree with you the use of the characters in issue three was fun because you get to see characters that you would never see team up really or people that you would have never figured um and the shocking reveal at the end with hawkeye showing back up so you know we kind of find out later why wanda brought him back to life um so we'll get to that in a little bit so um we are going to jump to issue number four um again not too too much is happening here there will be some stuff near the end of the issue that happens so we'll kind of sum it up um we see magneto or at this time lord magnus um kind of start the day and all of a sudden we hear the word grandpa coming up and this is one of the only lines we hear uh in the whole first two pages and what was it uh what was it? And it is one of Wanda's kids, and I believe it's Wiccan. This is Wiccan because he's controlling. He made something with his mind, made a ship for his dad or for his grandpa. Yeah. And so we jumped back to Hawkeye. So we kind of jump back up to where it was. Um, so pretty much he's telling him, look, either you need to take that tracker or I'm going to shoot it out for you. So pretty much Wolverine pretty much not so much he just kind of like worked against him and so click shoots it out of him um and what was it um cage kind of gets on to him a little bit and he says i'm done taking chances with these mutants we need to what you know so pretty much he's clinton clint's already saying look i'm not taking any more chances with these guys i've had it you know so we see what was it um we see Wolverine kind of rejuvenate after it because the tracker's in the back of his neck, so he's bleeding a lot. 
guns back to life. Um, and they're like, and they're like, they're like, they're like that was the weird thing about him. Um, about this scene, it's like they're freaked out. It's like, you know, but then all of a sudden, um, what was it? Um, we find out that the tracker was still going and the Sentinels try to find um, Sentinels um, in our normal universe, other than what it is in this story, Sentinels are known to go after mutants. Um, in this storyline, it looks like the Sentinels is actually working with the mutants. So kind of another weird twist. But here's the only thing I really want to bring up here too. Wolverine says this little girl. We don't know who she is at this point in time, but pretty much he saves her from this attack and Cloak pretty much teleports all of them into a safer location. And it looks like what it could be is possibly, I think it's like a vendor's tower again. Um, but all of a sudden we started kind of seeing them talk and do and interact with each other. What was it? Um, What was it? I say, whether you want to take it from here, I'll let you finish discussing this chat issue for me. This is because this is where it kind of starts getting good. Yeah, so they get teleported what looks like the Stark Tower and they start uh, reconvening, assessing themselves and figuring out like who's okay, who's still with them. And... Uh, it's at this point that they start listening to what uh, uh, what Wolverine is saying and hearing him out. So he starts telling them like what's going on, what he knows, and they obviously don't believe them. But just with the pure fact of like what he knows and like the people he knows and the things that he's trying to figure out the information that he has uh he just needs to figure things out and who still could remember and who does remember who doesn't remember and at this point we uh i wasn't flipping pages uh, at this at this point, uh, we start uh, seeing Wolverine asking questions to that little girl that he had saved, um, uh, and he tells it. He asks her, "Who are you?" And she says, uh, "Layla." Right. And that's when we start figuring out a little bit more about the girl. Right. Was it right? And one of the things I found interesting, you know, that she says, "What was it?" That she starts kind of remembering. She, what was it? She remembers everything. And Wolverine says, "But you remember everything." And she goes, "Yeah, I mean, I woke up and everything was all I thought. I was crazy. My parents were the same, but everything else was." I mean, what's going on? Am I crazy or not? And she goes, and Wolverine goes, you're not crazy. And she goes, are you sure? 
And he goes, if you are, then we both are. Great. What was it? What was it? Um. And then we kind of see this. What was that? I can't remember the woman in this that scene. But we say, you know, pretty much he, she pretty much says, hey, Furball, why do you think you and her of all people remember the world? Um, and Wolverine responds, like I said, over the years, I've been mind wiped so many times. I don't remember who I am before a certain time. Don't remember where I came from, how old I am, my parents. But two days ago, I woke up and I remembered every single moment of my entire life up to and including today. It's all I what it's all i've ever wanted so he comes to the realization that this is what everybody wants this is the world scarlet witch has created um and he kind of starts coming to the realization magneto got his daughter to give us all what we always wanted so he could have what he's always wanted how and luke cage responds how would he even know what we've always wanted. Charlie. Wolverine response. Is there a phone book here? So he goes. What was it? Um, so the, the most interesting thing is they actually go to Cyclops home. And we see Cyclops, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. Pretty much Emma Frost comes in and thinks they're robbing him. You know, like and the most interesting thing happens is that Layla's powers start to show. And Layla pretty much, you know, looks into the eyes of Emma Frost and makes her remember everything. Um, her time with the Hellfire Club, her and Scott's affair kind of thing, or fling going on, her being one of the heads of the Xavier Institute. Um, and she yells out, Charles. And then pretty much we find out Emma Frost comes back to that, back to reality a little bit. House of Magnus, House of Magnus, Logan, we're going to, we're going to find Magneto and oh, that is it. This is it. We're going to kill him and his kids. And Wolverine just responds back with, yeah, I got no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> I love Wolverine. And but he mentioned something else. He says, "But we're going to need a lot more than just us. And even if we do, that still doesn't mean the whole damn world ain't screwed for good." So that's how we end this issue. So we start realizing these heroes are coming back to reality and realizing this isn't normal. This is not. Everything's not okay. And um, we're going to jump to issue five a little bit. Um, but before we do that, what was it? Um, I I did enjoy this issue. Sometimes it was just hard for me to kind of like, that's why I asked Willie to kind of take over because he could sum it up a little better than I can because I didn't want to read bit by bit everything that was going on. But, you know, it is an interesting story and I love the scene where they actually are coming to the realization that it's everything that they've always wanted. And, but at the same way, I, I kind of still see it in both ways that even though they gave them that she gave them everything that they wanted, you've screwed with their lives. 
in the process, you know, you shouldn't be playing God in our lives. And that's how I feel Scarlet Witch has done this. Like, we're just going to recreate everything to my liking. And so we go to issue number five now. And we start off the scene with Emma Frost and Layla. And they're inside the mind of Layla. And they're trying to figure out everything with her powers, everything like that, trying to figure out everything that's going on. Um, we open then with the scene of Cyclops walking in the door. And Layla looks into the eyes of Cyclops. And he just vomits after he realizes everything. You know. <laughs> and he looks at Emma, the first thing he says, yeah, why are we married? <laughs> <laughs> I love this scene. <laughs> what was it? So essentially, that's just the sum up of, I guess that's what Cyclops wanted. Is, maybe. Maybe. I think it's like a fantasy of his. This is a very interesting fantasy. Yeah. You know, so he even asked the questions. How could Magneto have done this to the entire world? This. What was it? And, and he asked, where's Professor Xavier? And Wolverine responds, we haven't found him yet. I've been up to the school and it ain't the school. Everyone else is scattered. We can only find a few of us. Who can we find? And the most interesting scene comes up. And I'm going to explain this. This is one of my favorite scenes in the whole story. We come to Peter Parker. And he's walking. We come with him walking with Gwen Stacy, and behind them is Aunt May and Uncle Ben. This was to me the saddest scene of the story because it's not just one person he's always loved that came back, it's now two people he's always loved and came back. Uh, but somebody even's calling him Spider Man. So people know he is Spider-Man and I'm, you know, and it's interesting, but the next thing we see is all the heroes pop up in front of him and Layla looks into the eyes of Peter Parker. And he's remembering everything. Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane, Green Goblin, all the villains in his marriage to Mary Jane. So... And, but he actually reacts really weird. No, no, stop it. Stop it, Peter. You know, Gwen Stacy's running to him. And, and the weirdest thing was is he sees the scene of Gwen Stacy snapping her neck in that vision. And Peter runs away. Even Uncle Ben's looking at him. Peter? And he goes, oh, no, Uncle Ben. So he's remembering everything and i think this is one of the saddest scenes what was it it's one of the saddest scenes in the story and when gwen stacy starts to question him emma frost just plays with her mind and says go play in the park and sends all four of them to the park other than peter Parker. yeah and you know what was actually very interesting about that how he reacted it made me think did he like 
react like that because of the spidey sense because i feel like he like maybe once as soon as like she looked into his eyes and he started to see things back at that point his spidey sense started to kick in that's way that why that was why he knew what she was doing and he tried to stop it so he could keep like what he had I feel like that's like why he reacted the way that he did because he didn't want. I don't know. That's just the way I see. He didn't want uh, like things to go back to the way they were. He was happy with his life. But I, what was it? But you'll see it with every character in the story that they've been kind of like brainwashed in some ways that they don't realize the life they've had before, and I just I agree. I think that was like the saddest scenes for Peter Parker is when he looks at Gwen Stacy and all he can see is the vision of her snapping her neck. And then he looks at uncle Ben and just remembers the killing of him too. It's really weird, but we jump to the scene, you know, Layla asks, who was that lady? And Luke Cage looks at him or kind of says, Gwen Stacy, she died years ago. And Cyclops goes, who wants to go talk with him? And Wolverine goes, I'll do it. So, they go up, they find him, Peter Parker, all the way up on a roof, pretty much crying all. And he asks Logan, tell me it's a trick, Logan. Tell me it's like it's Mysterio. Some hallucination he pulled out of his. And he says, I, I have, do you have this? I have memories on the top, on top of memories. Memories of things I did on top of things I didn't. I can't even think straight. I can't marry Jane. And he says, please, please tell me I've snapped. Just tell me it's me. It's all in my head. Just tell me. I can deal with that, that I can handle. Tell me this isn't really happening. And all Wolverine can say is sorry. And Peter cries and he says, I have a son. And he says, come on, we have things to do. It's not just you, you know. Yeah, what did you wake up from? Looks like I always wanted to be Nick Fury. Sorry, ha. Huh. I love that scene too, because he's trying to like cope with them, like, you know, like, hey, you know what? It's not just you. We've all been put through this. And he's trying to cope with him, but understands, like, hey, look, Peter's taking it harder than most of us. Yeah. You know. And this is where you really see like him snap, because you don't really hear often Peter Parker going off saying, let's go kill somebody. Right. That's what I was just about to bring up. This is the saying Peter looks at him and goes, we got to, a lot to do. Can we, you get it together? And he says, and pretty much he goes, how did he do this? How did they get into my head? How did they get me this bad? And Peter goes off, like you said. Logan, I swear to God, I think I'm going to kill them. Magneto, his stupid daughter, I'm going to kill them with my bare hands. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to stop myself. Don't worry, Wolverine goes. You won't get the chance. I'll have done it already. <laughs> so now they pretty much have pushed aside the whole thing of, oh, let's go ask her. Now it's to the point where we're killing this chick. I don't care anymore. Yeah. So we're going to kind of skim through a few more things again. Um, what was it? Layla goes to Kitty Pride, looks in her eyes, makes her remember, goes to Stephen Strange, does the same thing. Um, Carol Danvers or Miss Marvel. Um, what was it? Um, 
And then look at Tony Stark, you get Matt Murdock and Jennifer Walters or She-Hulk or Daredevil. Um, goes to Steve Rogers. Uh, what was he? But the most interesting thing he says is, she goes, when they go to Steve Rogers and Layla's about to look into his eyes, Emma Frost looks at her and goes, Layla, power down. We're not doing this one. That's Captain America, Cyclops goes. He's 100 years old. He was never frozen in that block of ice during World War II. It's all in the textbooks. Had to see it for myself. He's of absolutely no use to us like this. She's right. Let's go. Too bad we could have used him. So they make him still live his happy life. Yep. Right. So we jump to all of them grouping together in a room, discussing everything. And what was it? Um, what was it? Um, and so they start discussing all the events that's happened. And what was it? Emma Frost starts listening to the voices in Hawkeye's head. Hawk, and she goes, Hawkeye, I can hear your thoughts loud and clear. The only way you'll believe us is if you'll let, let Layla do what she does and unlock your memories of your life before this one. Clint, you don't have to do anything you don't want to. Hawkeye, what do you, what I want is for you, this mutant to get out of my head. Uh-oh. Guys, we're about to be, and that was Matt and Cyclops. Or not Cyclops, Wolverine. And we are introduced again to the main five soldiers of the House of Madness. And they start having an all-out battle. But this is the most interesting scene. Ayla looks into the eyes of all of them. It makes them remember everything. And the, what was it? Mystique looks at Wolverine and goes, no. And, slaps him. and she slaps him. And she goes, you feel better <laughs> now, Raven? I think I broke my hand. Save it for the guy who did this to you. Uh, guys, Hawkeye's gone. <laughs> and we, we don't see him. He's pretty much all gone since, since the battle. Um, then we're, we go back to Genosha. Or what was it? Um, actually, before that. Um, they start. So what's Carol Danvers pretty much asked Wolverine, what's the plan? He said, and Wolverine responds, we go to Magneto, right to him guarantee you he knows exactly where xavier is so we return to genosha and we see polaris and polaris for anybody who doesn't know is one of magneto's daughters um pretty much has pretty much the same abilities if i'm not mistaken as magneto somewhat i think her powers are a little different but not too much um what was it what was it um what was it? And she says something. She goes, I just came to tell you the guests are arriving soon. Victor Von Doom will be here in a half an hour. And all of a sudden, we turn to see him and he says, give me a moment. And he turns around and sees the Xavier Memorial Garden. He died so Genosha could live. This just shows in this world, but I don't, but We'll come, we'll come back to this scene later on. This is a scene that needs to stay important, but we'll get to it back to it later on. Um, I think we pretty much explained that issue really well. 
Um, I don't think we yeah. really have to go back into but, that a little bit. Well, one one thing that uh, it always makes me go back to this and my mentality when I first read this, whenever Magnus shows up and you always see him like he doesn't have a smile on his face. His face is always getting shaded out. And the same as the last time when you saw him with his grandkid. And whenever I first saw those things, those scenes, I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, does he, does he know? I'm not going to lie. I started thinking that too. Like he knew something was wrong. Yeah. Cause you can just like see it in his mentality and in his face It's like something just seems off about his reactions right is if like he is like does he know something that we don't or does he know something that the rest of the people don't that we do it, right. it always like put me in that mentality right so we see them all like all the soldiers and what was it so we start with issue six and it opens up with Psylocke calling in to land the their jet on the helicarrier but we see Psylocke, was it Mystique, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Emma Frost, Nightcrawler. Um, pretty much they walk away and pretty much Emma Frost is like playing a mind trick on everybody. Like, go look the other way, go do this. Um, and so they go in to the main, you know, into the bridge of the, of the helicarrier. And you hear all these names. You have Natasha Romanoff who comes up who's Black Widow. Um, what was it, Commander Garrison? You have um, Agent Sitwell. You have quite a few names brought up, but then all of a sudden you see Emma Frost go to the captain and pretty much, you know, control his mind and say, set the destination to Genosha. And so they start flying to Genosha. We jump to the next scene where they're actually in Genosha and Victor Von Du arrives in Genosha. And what was it? And it seems like these guys have had like a big rivalry over the years. And I know in comics they have. Um, and, but Magnus says, I was quite surprised to receive your RSVP. And Von Doom goes, do you think you were more or less surprised than I was invited to be, or than I was to be invited? You'll stand for some photographs. It is why I'm here. And they both shake their hands. And, but all of a sudden we turn to a scene with Quicksilver. And Quicksilver is going to start becoming a more important part of this story. Um, we see Luke Cage. This is one of the other scenes I felt like needed to be addressed. We see Luke Cage um, trying to call Jessica Jones, which is his wife in the real world. Um, and he calls and it says, this is Jessica and this is Scott. Leave a message. So she's married. And Spider-Man looks at him and goes, did she pick up? Luke, I don't know why I just did that. Sorry. Did you try to get a hold of Mary Jane and tell her what? It doesn't mean she'd be less successful if you were together. And Luke Cage says that to him. He says, uh-huh. And Luke Cage responds back, it doesn't. Except the, for the fact, and Spider-Man responds, except for the fact that we aren't together and she is successful. So Spider-Man doesn't even want to ruin her life at this point. If they can't make it, you know, he'd rather just stick with the world he's in. Yeah. Um, 
that was it. But something else kind of interesting comes up. So Cyclops takes charge. And he goes, I'm going to read the passage. He goes, I want to talk to you all for a second. I've, uh, I've been team leader of the X-Men since I was a teenager. And in, this, and in that entire time, I've always prided myself on my tactical restraint, taking a moral high ground where violence is concerned. But today, there is no other way to say it. If we fail here, if we lose, if we lose everything, we lose, ev or we lose everything. Everything we have ever believed in, Every fight we've ever fought, every battle, it'll all be, it'll all be, have meant nothing. So I'm saying that whatever restraint or person, personal boundaries you usually put on yourself in the name of good or right, well, I think there's no place for any of that here in the fight we have in front of us. We can't lose this. We have to win. And to do that, you all of you, all of you are going to have to fight without any restraint. Does anyone agree, disagree? And Wolverine responds, so what's the plan, Sparky? <laughs> Three teams. Cyclops responds. So, what was it? Um, and Spider-Man kind of asks the interesting question. Are we going to try to put the world back? Can we put the world back? Or is it too late? And... But Psylocke kind of enters, you know, puts this is again like the reminiscence of the first issue where they're both deciding the fate of Wanda Maxima. Psylocke starts questioning, you know, really, are we all that pissed off? We, ever, we yeah. got everything we wanted. The Wolverine just responds, you know, you're really going to be embarrassed for saying that out loud. And then that's two things you're going to sound embarrassing when we go into it more. Um, I'm not going to read that whole section. Um, there's a lot she says, but pretty much it comes to the summary of why would we do something to her if she's given us everything that we've always wanted? And she does have a good point. I do see both points. And again, this is a whole, it feels like a civil war in itself, if that makes sense. Like they both have different views that they're always like, you know, yeah, she did wrong, but did she really? you know yeah and um and you know so pretty much we go back to the the whole plan what everybody's doing and we drop back up to genosha now there's a big party and event going on and we're going to see some of the other characters that we haven't seen in comics yet um the first character that's introduced we're actually introduced to the chala um king t'challa of the african commonwealth of wakanda um then we see dr doom and they're pretty much during this time we see the whole team that's going to go after wanda cyclops wolverine everybody on the top of the roof right now discussing you know pretty much coming down to what they're going to do um we see storm we see um um Janice bell who's a Cree empire um delegate namor we see um what was it? So, but we see at this point, Cy or Emma Frost, Layla, and Cloak are going to go do their own thing. And pretty much Scott tells them, you need to keep them protected. He tells Cloak this, you need to keep them protected and keep them going wherever they need to go. So pretty much everybody else's job is to keep the House of Magnus busy. 
So we jump to the next scene and we actually see uh, pretty much the whole house of Magnus. You see Polaris, you see Magneto, you see the two grandkids or Scarlet Witch's kids, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. But all of a sudden the party's interrupted. And we notice pretty much all the heroes are coming in to fight it out. And pretty much the most interesting scene, I'm not sure, it's side note. When they go to the next page after the big fight, when they burst in through the roof, you see Sasquatch actually fighting for the House of Madness. <laughs> I started seeing, I was like, hey, it's, 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 it's Sasquatch. Yeah, it was a very interesting choice. Yeah. <laughs> it made me laugh, but it was, it, I, I like Sasquatch, so it's hard for me. But then we see Layla actually take control, uh, or not Layla, um, Rogue actually attack Namor. Um, and we see a whole bunch of people just go at it. All of a sudden, we switch back to the scene with Emma Frost, Layla, and Chloe. They go to the garden where the memorial garden. This is why I said keep this scene in mind. But pretty much, Cloak starts seeing something different. They think he's dead. Emma Frost and Layla think he's dead. Cloak doesn't think so. So he goes underground and comes back popping up and says, no coffin, no body, just dirt. There's nothing here. Xavier's not here. It's not over yet. They think it's all over. It's not over yet. And we're about to go into issue number seven. Um, this story really picks up right after this. This really, you know, mind you, keep in mind all the words, all the art, everything like that goes to, you know, we give credit to Marvel Comics, Brian Michael Bendis, everybody who worked on this project. We're not trying to steal project. We're trying to give you guys a sense of what's actually happening here. Um, Willie, what, what were some of the most, what did you feel about this issue? Like, do you feel like, yeah, this is picking up or it's setting up what's actually going to happen or it's definitely it's definitely picking up a lot and we're starting to see like i've already said before you're seeing all kinds of different characters that uh, are being like shown off and put into place so it's i feel like a broken record cuz i keep saying this is it's very interesting but <laughs> It, it is a it's one of the more interesting uh series that i've ever read so and right now when we're finally going to be seeing what every what's going on and figure out how to put this whole thing to rest right it's really uh reaching a pretty intense climax so willie i'm actually gonna have you take over for the last two issues i'm gonna let oh, you why would you do that <laughs> you like this book so <laughs> so let's go ahead and start with issue seven all right so in issue seven uh they jump right into the big battle where uh the, the genosha soldiers are fighting against the mutants and avengers team uh like this big battle is breaking out and you see uh You see um, 
uh, Polaris and Quicksilver kind of get cut off from the battle and uh, Quicksilver is just pointing out that something's going on and like like something's just off about everything that's going on right now because he's holding what appears to be Wanda but Wanda is just falling apart right and so he's just like he just asks what have you done with my sister right. and like why are you attacking my family right right and then we notice Doctor Strange right after and he goes into his astral form to go find Wanda um, which I this this scene I'm not gonna lie is probably one of my other favorite scenes of the story is the conversation between Wanda and Doctor Strange. So, um, all right, well I'll let you continue. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll let you continue this. <laughs> so, she goes into what looks to be like a bedroom, and uh, Doctor Strange once he's in there finds Wanda playing with one of her one of her little boys i don't know which one it is but uh i can't remember which one it was but they're just like playing like with like linking logs or something oh he's playing she's playing with both of them actually never mind i forgot the other one was there <laughs> they only ever focus on the one but yeah they start having the conversation and dr strange is talking to her saying like don't you remember anything don't you remember me uh how about do you remember creating young lila miller uh so you can or anything that's going on and like she's just in her own little world playing with her kids and he brings up uh your dr strange decides to bring up what's going on uh he says i'm concerned for your friend's safety she says i'm sorry your friends are fighting uh over you over your father right outside outside and then he, dr strange opens up the wall and see so she can see that there's explosions going on outside right, right. and then she just goes no one should be fighting and you can see right then, this is like where she goes, she uses her powers more and starts what looks like altering stuff. Right. Right. And something that he says, you know, Dr. Strange pretty much questions, <laughs> how did your father do this? Where's Charles Xavier? And she goes, he just wanted me to be happy. He wanted us all to be happy. Is that what Magneto said? It's it's more complicated than that, Doctor. You have to understand he was trying to save me. And she puts up a projection of Quicksilver. And it's going back to the scene from the very first issue with him and Magneto going at it. And but here's where the most interesting part comes in. It was not Magneto. It was Quicksilver. 
who persuaded her to do this. The sad thing is, and I noticed this too, going back and rereading it, she even agrees with them killing her. And she even mentions this, am I a coward for wanting to kill myself, even though I know I should? This just tells you this is, she even knows something's not right. Yeah. That she needs to take it in her own hands or let somebody kill her. And we, what was it? Then we start seeing Quicksilver kind of like have like a light pop up in his head. You could make everyone happy, he goes. And pretty much he's the one that persuades her to make the world, this world that they're in right now. And Doctor Strange comes to the realization it wasn't Magneto. It was Pietro. I wanted to question you on that, Will. How do you like that change? Do you like that, or do you feel like it would have been better with Magneto? Honestly, it's a change that makes a lot more sense to me because you know, like everybody knows that Wanda has a very close connection with Pietro. Pietro. Pietro, there you go. Pietro. 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 He's, a, he's Italian now, Pietro. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it just makes sense how he would want her to like create this reality. And right. like, because he wants not only everybody else to be happy, but he wants his sister to be happy most of all. Right. Right, I agree with that. So I I actually didn't mind this. It, it was, in some ways, I was kind of like, when I first read it when I was a kid, it was one of those things I was felt like, or when I was younger, that I wish it was Magneto, because I think it would just solidify him even more as a villain. But, and I, he's probably one of the greatest villains of all time anyway, but when I reread it, it's like, yeah, he could have kept it as Pietro. Like, I, I, it makes sense now. Like, it makes sense why he wanted it, not Magneto. Because Magneto was even to the point where he was like, we got to kill her. It, it's not a choice. And, and all of a sudden, then we're interrupted. Hawkeye enters the room and pretty much shoots Wanda in the back. Um. And then we also notice where Emma Frost and Layla and Cloak are, Magneto starts to appear. Why are you bothering my family, he goes. But the most interesting thing is Layla looks into his eyes and makes him see the real world. So, all right, well, I'll let you continue. We're going to take, we're going to take turns now. <laughs> No. So, right after that scene, uh, Hawkeye then encounters Wanda, and what's funny is that the first thing that she asks him is, are you mad at me? And he just, like, can't understand why she would be asking that. So, he's just all four at that moment to just kill her even though it's the most painful thing for him 
and he doesn't he doesn't want to do it but at the same time he does because like she was such a close friend to him and this was right here was one of the most interesting lines that I read was we were friends Wanda teammates I truly loved I truly loved you I'd kill for you it says I love you too and he asks, why did you kill me? Why did you do this? She said, I brought you back. And then the kid goes ballistic. Yeah. So. And just makes him disappear again. Yep. And so that kid was Wiccan. Um, that is, what was it? Um, what was it? He kind of essentially has some, most of the same powers as, as Wanda and then we kind of go into Wanda a little bit, saying she can't control it any any of it anymore. But here, then we're going to kind of skip a little bit, but we come to the most interesting scene. Magneto goes after Quicksilver, and what have you done in my name, boy? He goes, "You were going to let them kill her. You used her, and you used me." I would never have allowed this. You destroyed everything and everyone and used my name to do it. What right? He goes. This was one of the most interesting scenes because we find out it looks like what seems to be Magneto kills him. Or not kills him, but pretty much went ballistic on him. And Wanda comes out, she senses, you know, Quicksilver's down. And he says, he only wanted you to be happy. Look what you've done to us, Daddy. Pietro was right. You you ruined us before you we even had a chance. Why would you treat your own children this way? Babies, why? Because you actually think you're better than everyone else. The arrogance of you. You think because we're mutants, we're better than them that we deserve to rule. That's what you wanted and I gave it to you. But look, look what it becomes. Even when you get what you want, you're still this horrible man. We're not the next step, we're not gods, we're freaks. Look at us, daddy, we're freaks, mutants. You chose this over us and you ruined us, daddy. And all of them are like, oh crap, here we go. And Wanda speaks the words, no more mutants. No more mutants. <laughs> now you might not think this is powerful fans but we got one more issue and it really just shows how powerful this was this this issue really shows you that last issue and this issue right here really shows you this whole book really shows you how powerful wanda maximoff is this is not a this is a lady you want on your side and not somebody you want against your side um so with that, I'm gonna have you jump back into it. <laughs> I'm gonna switch off with you today. <laughs> Darn you. Sorry. Hard All right, so <laughs> love you. When the, <laughs> so when this last issue starts, uh it just starts off showing images of the world and it looks almost barren you don't see anybody 
and then all of a sudden it starts up on uh Layla Rose Miller and it's just she's a kid in school waking up and next thing you see is switches over to uh switches over to Avengers Tower where we see Peter Parker uh with Mary Jane and he's just waking up as a normal guy and from there he goes downstairs and starts interacting with the rest of the Avengers that are in the tower uh so we run into She-Hulk uh Falcon and um help I'm not I'm not good at this help me so this is one of the most interesting parts of the book because we noticed that some Avengers don't remember this and some do we know Luke Cage does Falcon looks like he remembers She-Hulk, Captain Marvel, Peter. But we have Sentry and we have Spider-Woman that's sitting there like, what are you guys talking about? So all the people that Layla looked in the eyes of all remember this. Um, except one. And we'll get to that here in a moment. And uh, so Peter goes, you know, you remember to Luke Cage. And he goes, yeah, you okay, MJ? And Peter responds back, MJ doesn't remember. And Sentry looks at him and goes, remember what? Anyone else feel like screaming? And, you know, pretty much Peter looks at him and goes, how, wait, how are we here? We were just there and now we're here. And the most interesting thing is Iron Man, you, Luke Cage looks at Iron Man, Iron Man, Iron Man walks back in and he goes, Luke Cage goes, Iron Man, you don't remember either? And and Iron Man goes, remember what, Luke? So remember, he was looked in the eyes of Layla, but he doesn't remember. Um, but all of a sudden, Peter just pretty much slams his fist into the table. He's pissed. Um, what was it? Um, but all of a sudden, we kind of go back in. He said, and Captain Marvel goes, but everything is back to normal now, right? Everything seems okay now. And all of a sudden, you hear this, not quite. And Doctor Strange looks like he's been beaten and battered. We jump to the scene with Emma Frost. Um, she wakes up in a park and realizes, oh no, somebody please. And she yells and somebody yells out, no. Most of the mutant kids in that in Xavier Institute has lost their powers. So pretty much Nightcrawler still has his powers. Cyclops looks like he still has his powers. Some do. Um, Nightcrawler zooms or faces out to go try to find Logan. And um, they find Logan. But the sad thing is Logan still has all his memories. So he still remembers everything. The events that happened the last, you know, in the last few issues, everything that happened to him, Weapon X, everything. Um, 
And, you know, so the kids are starting to freak out. Emma starts running to, um, what was it? Cerebra. Now, Cerebra is the me mechanism that Professor Xavier uses to help find mutants and help communicate with them. Um, this is, you'll see them in the movies that it's a big old machine and it's like a hologram projection of the world with different mutants and everything that he can communicate with. Emma Frost goes there and tries to say, please, please, please no, please no. Just to see, and what happens is we get this projection of the world. And usually when mutants light up, there are mutants, there's like a whole bunch of light figures. Put this way, looks like 99% of all the mutant race was wiped. Were wiped of all their powers. Only a few in Russia and a couple other across the world. Wanda pretty much did exactly what she said. And this just really shows you how powerful she was because she pretty much wiped all the powers of mutants. When we go to another mutant, Iceman loses his powers. Um, and we kind of go into the discussion, all the mutants are talking or the people inside of Xavier Institute are talking. That's when we're introduced to Iceman, he lost his powers. And we get a newsreel of everybody saying that most of the mutant race has all been wiped out. And one of the most interesting things, I'm not sure if you caught it, Will, either, it's actually William Stryker. Mm. So William Stryker appears. And now William Stryker is famously known in the movies um, as against mutant race. Um, one of his most famous comics that he is the villain in is God Love, Man Kills, um, where he is trying to like purify the mutant race and trying to do what he feels is God's will and wiping them off the earth. And what was it? Um, that was one of the most interesting scenes. Um, Cap turns it up, or you know, they're all the Avengers are watching in the tower pretty much everything that's going on in the news. And what was it? Um, so I'm going to kind of read a little bit. So, this is what William Stryker says I've foretold that this is in the scripture for years now, and now the cleansing has finally begun. The abomination of humanity that was mutant kind is now seen to be what is what it always was a disease of our own decadence and indulgence indulgences god's will has been done and now it is up to man to finish the work cat pretty much tells him never mind turn the idiot off and the most interesting thing is iron man goes i don't know what to say i have no recollect recollection of any house of m of this happening and Cap goes, neither do I. We believe you, of course, every word. We, ju we just woke up and here we are. And, and but we turn to Dr. Strange and he looks disappointed. And, and Tony looks at him and he goes, are you all right, doctor? Dr. Strange goes to him and goes, my duties as master of the mystic arts are simple. Protect this world from any, from an attack just like this. I failed completely. So it just shows you how much Dr. Strange has taken this too. And one of the most powerful scenes, I, I still, you can just see how much this has really screwed up Peter in this next scene. And Peter Parker, Spider-Man, of course, um, he looks at Dr. Strange and he goes, Doctor, could you, um, 
could you use some of that magic whammy on me so I could just totally forget that what happened? Doctor Strange looks back at him and says, that's not how the magics work. Yeah, well, I'm giving you permission to go in there and scoop it right out. And he goes, I can't. I'm sorry. Peter Parker pretty much goes, again, ballistic. And he says, I said, take it out. And Captain America calms him down. And, you know, Peter apologizes. And what was it? And we kind of see them go to the mansion, try to figure out everything, what's going on. Uh, the, what was that? I believe it's the X mansion, actually, or the Xavier mansion. And all of a sudden, we see Hawkeye's uniform pinned up with arrows. And, but then the most interesting thing, and I, so we jump to the next scene, and it's Magneto walking in the, in pretty much the desertness of, desertness of Genosha. And we find out he's lost his powers. But we hear, where is she, Magnus? And we see all the main Avengers, or not the Avengers, the X-Men. I'm really bad with names today. Um, Wolverine, Cyclops, Kitty Pride, Colossus, Emma Frost, and Beast. And Wolverine pretty much tackles him to the ground. And Magneto responds back and says, I don't know. And Wolverine kind of like taunts him a little bit. Lost your power over metal, have you? And he says, I did it. And, and pretty much, you know, he pretty much tells him, like, I don't know where any of my kids are, you know. And Emma Frost looks at Wolverine, or pretty much says, he's not lying. Then we're just about out of reasons to keep you on this planet. And he says, guys, he didn't do this. Yeah, and the way I see it, he deserves every second of the rest of his crap safe in life. We find your kids, and we will. We'll be sure to say hi for you. Now, it looks like he pretty much, it doesn't look like he kills them, but he pretty much is like, you know what, you're not worth it anymore. It's not yeah. worth running you anymore. But we kind of find out, like, King Pam kind of gives this little speech over the radio about, you know, pretty much the how he views it all. But we see Wanda, what looks like either, what was it? She's on in a whole different city, pretty much living her own life. And pretty much we just start moving away and we go to the world. And it's like, and one of the most interesting things I bring up here is when Hank Pym says over the radio, it's Sir Isaac Newton's third law of physics. Everyone knows it. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So I'm asking, what will be the reaction? And this is how the story ends. Um, again, this is just a very powerful story. Um, there are stories that bring back the mutant race, um, like Avengers vs. X-Men, different other stories that we'll cover later on. Um, so, Willie, let's see what your initial reactions are. When we really read this, what was your, like, what did you love? What did you not like? Well, you always know that I'm a big fan of animation and the animation in this comic book is, or not animation, but the artwork in this uh, comic is just fantastic. The attention to detail is phenomenal. 
Right. And with the story, it's just so trippy to see like how everything goes and like where people would end up if things were different. It's a lot like the what if stories, like right. seeing like if this were to happen or if this were to happen, if mutants were the dominant race, that would be how it would, that'd be how it turned out. Right. Um, of course, for fans, I'm a huge fan of the, of Brian Michael Bendis's work. Um, he's not Tom King for me. I love Tom King more than I like Brian Michael Bendis, but I have liked Brian Michael Bendis's work in the past. And I do feel like he set the tone from here on out and something I feel like they're still dealing with. Um, not as bad as they were, but they still deal with it. Um, some of the things I loved about the story was the fact that this one showed you how powerful Wanda is. And this is why we wanted to bring this story to you guys, because when we talked about WandaVision and stuff, we just felt like, yeah, they showed you how powerful she can become, but it's like it didn't really hit that full stint of how powerful she really is. And um, also, too, I love the story because it just didn't involve mutants. It involved everybody, Spider-Man, Cap, everybody. And it just was an interesting story to see what everybody's lives were. You know, it's like, I agree. It's like what you would think of a what if story, like what if Gwen Stacy didn't die or what if, you know, there's a lot of things that could happen. Um, to be totally honest, when I read this story and I reread it, you know, I wouldn't change anything. I feel that this story is a real, I think the only thing I felt was kind of stupid is that, hey, let's go get permission to kill her. You know, <laughs> that was the only thing. But then when you find out later on, that's what Wanda wanted. You know, like Wanda even knew, like, I need to do this. It's not a yeah. Then it made sense. But it was just one of those things that's like, really? That's like saying, hey, you know, what was it juggernaut i'm gonna kill you today or but i need your permission or you know hey magneto i'm gonna kill you today i need your permission to kill you i didn't like that yeah but other than that i never had an issue with this story i felt like this was just a really good story from beginning to end it was a non-stop read when i read picked it up again i remember like i couldn't stop reading it the first time and i couldn't stop reading it then um would you change anything in this story? Honestly, no. I, from like you said, from beginning to end, it was just really well executed. Uh, I really like how they ended that story. How it's not like they defeated the villain and everything goes back to normal. No, the world is still in shambles, right. but it's just like a world that they have to live in now because Wanda's not going to be found. She doesn't want to be found. You know, I, I, I love that part. Like you said too, but the fact that, what was it that they go back to the normal world, but only half of them remember and half don't. Yeah. And it's now like, you know, like the heroes, how you look at it, it's like most of them remember everything that's happened. And now some of them don't. And, you know, I think it's just that little division there. And 
yeah, I can't really say anything I would change about this. Um, but anyway, for anybody who, you know, we thank our fans. And like we said, all the, you know, all the words, all the, what was it? The dialogue comes from Marvel or all the credit goes to Marvel. Mike, Brian, Michael Bendis. Um, what was it? And what was it? Let us know what your reactions are with House of M storyline. Yeah. What, what you loved about it? What, what would you change? And for anybody who's uh, hasn't read the House of M yet, and you're kind of getting a first interpretation for from our video, um, I'll even admit I don't think we really did it justice because it is a long, it is a long story. Right. So like we were having trouble trying to remember some of the stuff, so we were trying to go back through and pick it up and like. I was definitely having trouble trying to go back through to remember, but it's like, it's still a very engaging read. And I would definitely recommend for anybody who's new to comic books to pick up the book, uh, pick up the series and read through it for yourself to get your interpretation of these characters. Right. And it's like we said, if you love WandaVision, this is where you should start off. This is one of the stories that I feel if you love that series, then that's where you should go. This and The Visions, um, written by Tom King, which is my favorite writer, which is weird because it's two of my favorite writers they base that show off of, and I think that's why I've enjoyed it so much. Um, but please let us know in the comments, you know, what your views of the story was, um, if you would change anything, and even also, too, um, maybe give us some suggestions too for book clubs. I know the next one we're going to do for a book club is Spawn. We're actually going to go over the volume one where it's his origins, his first, like, I think six or seven issues, I think we decided to do. Um, and, you know, what was it? And let us know, what was it? Let us know your takes on it or what was it of the story? Um, without further ado, I'm Brandon. And I'm Wanda. Will that make me vision? <laughs> be my vision. I'll be Pietro. I'll be the villain. Okay. <laughs> I'll, be I'll be Pietro. And thank you for listening to Comic Talkers. <laughs>